Good afternoon, everyone. This is Sarah with Connect Our Elders, and today I'm here with Paris Love, the CEO of the Productivity Institute. Uh, for those of you who uh, watched me before with Paris, you are definitely in for a treat today. She loves nothing more than organizing and being productive. So let's learn some tips from her today. Um, you know, last time we were hearing about her story and why she loves it so much, but today we're going to discuss four tips. And what are those four tips, Paris? So mm. I want to talk about the four tips to being productive. The first one is about goal setting. And if you look at the calendar, we are at the end of the third quarter. Fourth <laughs> quarter's coming. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. So, I know. So go back and look to see, did you hit those goals? If you didn't, it's okay. You can always reset, um, course correct. So really look at, you know, in the next quarter of the year, you know, what can you get accomplished? Like you can be like laser focused and get a lot accomplished. So don't beat yourself up if you didn't meet your goals um, the first mm -hmm. three quarters, because it's been a super challenging year for everybody. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. But I would add to that, too. You know, it's, it's never productive to beat yourself up to a point where you, uh, you know, you inhibit yourself to move forward. But we also want to take a step back and really hold ourselves accountable at the same time, really, right? So we can't look at it and say, oh, I didn't hit my goal, no big deal, you know, and blame whatever we're saying that the issue yeah. is. So what is that healthy balance between don't beat yourself up that you didn't hit the goal or the metric, right? Mm -hmm. But really have some some true accountability for ourselves. And that is creating milestones. So mm -hmm. you can say, if I achieve my goal, like how will you know you achieve your goal? What's the milestone for achieving mm -hmm. that? And if you don't meet your goal, it's okay, what can I do to course correct that? And mm -hmm. Oftentimes you look at your goal and it's like this huge thing, like break it down into bite-sized pieces. And a lot okay. of times when we look at our goals, it's like, oh my God, how, how's this going to happen? But when you break it down into bite-sized pieces, you're like, okay, this is doable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when you set your goals for yourself, do you, uh, do you do something? So you have the larger goal, right? But then do you break it into those milestones on, let's say a quarterly basis where you checking yourself with yourself quarterly or do you tend to check in with yourself weekly or monthly? What What is your particular pattern? I normally do monthly. Um, and so I have a big goal for the whole year and like, I look at, okay, what is it going to take me to do quarterly, weekly, daily? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the month, I can go back and go, oh, okay, you know, I rock this. And if I didn't, okay, what happened? Because I'm tracking everything, every little mm -hmm. thing. And so I can go back and go, oh, yeah, that week I was out of town. Oh, yeah, that was a bad week. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you have that top of mind always, you're more likely to go ahead and be very successful at that. Okay. Here's a little tip for everyone. So you know how we create goals at the beginning of the year? Like this is my, my goal, my resolution, my intention. If you can make it to Valentine's Day, you're more than likely to uh, achieve that goal. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Make it to oh Valentine's Day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. So everybody listening, when you start making your new goals, especially because everybody jumps on the goal making boat, Mm -hmm. right, with the New Year's resolutions and whatnot. But um, if you just hopped on, what Paris was saying is that statistically what they've shown is that if you can make it to February with basically holding yourself accountable, Mm -hmm. accountable or doing the things that you say you're going to do, you're much more likely to take that momentum and carry it through the rest of the year. So Mm What we should be keeping in mind is let's hit February 14th with our new goals come the new year. Yeah, yeah. And don't stop at February 14th. Like, keep going. March no, keep 14th, going, April right? 14th. Yeah. Most people are like, Use okay, that momentum. <laughs> yeah. So what is the second tip that you wanted to share with us today? It's about mindset. And I think mm-hmm. we talked about this before. I'm always talking about mindset. It's that, uh, it's that monkey mind. Um, you know, it's, it's our mind can play tricks on us. Our mind can convince us that, mm-hmm. nah. You really had a big go. I don't know why you've been thinking that. Nah, don't worry about that. Nah, yeah. You, you can't do that. Like, who do you think you are? And you have to, <laughs> you, don't be Debbie Downer, but like, you know what? Go somewhere, sit down, because I got this. <laughs> so it's really, mm-hmm. um, and I um, I talk about the glass being half full or half empty. Mm-hmm. No right or wrong in that answer, but really look to see, you know, is your glass half full or half empty? And what can you do? to change your perspective on things? What can you do to really talk positively in your life? Because of course we are going to have the doubts. We look at our, if your goal doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've definitely heard that before. Yeah. If you look at a goal and be like, holy crap, what? Ah, This is, oh oh my goodness. Who me? And my question is, why not you? Right. Why not? That's that's a really good point mm-hmm. um, to tie this in to, you know, dealing with elders and their adult children. I think that it's increasingly difficult for that sandwich generation, right, that that is still working. They have their kids, even if, you know, they're college age, um, but they're all of a sudden having to focus a lot on caring for their parents. And so it would seem to me that setting goals and um, and then paying attention to the benchmarks is ever more important for them because they're adding a whole new layer of responsibilities when they start to care for their own parents. Um, and then also mindset too. I mean, it's very easy to get extremely stressed out and overwhelmed with not understanding what resources are available, how to navigate them and, and, and the entire the entire breadth of the situation when it comes to elder care. So, so using these tips that Paris is talking about could be very beneficial to our aging um, children out there that are dealing with aging parents. We're all aging at the end of the day, right? But it's particularly (laughs) beneficial. (laughs) That's right. We're forever. I always say I'm forever 24. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, But using these tips, using these tips in a situation where the overwhelm is magnified Mm -hmm. by the emotional stress of trying to figure out how to care for your parents could, could reap a lot of benefits. I'm thinking. So let's Mm -hmm. move on to what the third tip is, Paris. That's interesting that th- you're going to love this third one because you just kind of segwayed it in there. <laughs> it's actually about health. Okay. <laughs> and that's, it, that's a huge topic when it comes mm-hmm. to caring for your parents, whether it's the well spouse or the adult children. So mm-hmm. let's, yes, let's hear yeah. what you have to say. So not only do you have to take care of your, you know, your aging parents or your aging spouse, you got to take care of yourself. The mm-hmm. caregiver is always the last one who, you're like, oh, I'm okay. I'm good. I got to take care of everybody else. But what happens to you if you're not well? Who's going to take care of you? And you're mm-hmm. not good to anybody if you can't 
take care of yourself. So it's really looking at like for our parents and it's kind of interesting. So when we have aging parents, we're telling our mom, like we're the parent at this point to them. Mm-hmm. We're like, did you take your medicine? You know, you have to go to the doctor. Like we're giving them all these things to do. Are we actually doing that as well? <laughs> and you know what? It's really easy. And, um, to sit there and tell people this, but they, I think it's the emotional overwhelm or the perception that there just isn't any time because the truth of the matter is a lot of their time is consumed mm-hmm. with this new responsibility. But what, what Paris is saying is you have to, have to, have to make yourself and your health a priority because mm-hmm. if you don't and you go down, right, something happens to you, what good are you actually doing your loved one? Because then you'll be in a position where you can't care for them, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to take care of yourself first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we often see, you know, the caregiver caregiver burnout is a true reality. Mm -hmm. And there are many situations where the well spouse or the, the family caregiver ends up passing away before the person who appeared to be the worse off because Mm -hmm. they just worked themselves down to the Mm -hmm. point where or they realize there are so many sad stories. So it's not uncommon to hear the story about the well spouse being the caregiver, not ignoring her own health or his own health. And then next thing you know, six months, a year later, they have cancer that they thought, oh, I, for example, oh, I feel a lump. I should go get that checked out, but I don't have time, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're mm-hmm. too overwhelmed. Yeah. So yeah. moral of the story, take care of yourself so that way you can take care of other people. Yes. Yep. Make your make your appointments, eat right and ask for help. Mm -hmm. I find that's really interesting that caregivers would not ask for help. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've had situations where I have friends. I'm like, what do you need? And it's always I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. And I got to the point I had one friend and I was like, you know what? I'm on my way to your house. (laughs) I'm going to pick up something to eat. And when I got there, I just got a salad. And she was like, you know, this is the first time in like three months that I've actually sat down and had a meal. And she was taking care of her son. She didn't want to leave. I said, do you need me to do anything else? Go to the grocery store, get some. She said, can you, do you mind just going to Target for me? No, I don't mind. I will go. And she was afraid just to leave the house because she didn't know if something was going to happen to him. And so you have to ask for help. Please, mm-hmm. it's it's not showing a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. It's it's showing you know what I need help and help me out. And lots of times I found people want to help. Well, one sometimes they don't really need they don't know that you need the help, or mm-hmm. two if they know that you need help, they're not sure how to help, mm-hmm. and so they're kind of relying on you to to tell them what they can help with. But um, as a general rule, people want to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, yeah. I think if I'm remembering correctly, Paris, you, you have a child, right? That is special needs. Is that correct? Yes. But my son is 30. Okay. <laughs> okay. Think he's little. No, he, he's, I have grandkids. Yeah. But, um, and that's interesting because my son has, let me see, ADHD, OCD, ODD, and oppositional, um, which is oppositional defined disorder and Tourette syndrome. Okay. Okay. And I was a single parent for 15 years and I can, and because Tourette's is that kind of unknown mm-hmm. neurological disorder that people really don't understand. And yes, my son does swear. Mm-hmm. Only 11% of individuals with Tourette's swear. He happens to be the 11%. I was, you know, I was a single parent and I had my little safe haven and 
you know, I tell people, I we couldn't go to the grocery store because if we went, as soon as we walked in the door, he's blurting out a swear word. Or people would go, who brought their dog? This is before, you know, the uh, people would have the um, their pets, uh, what do they call them? Um, uh, service dogs. Service dogs. And people are like, do you hear an uh, animal in here? And I'm thinking, no, that's just my son, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was very difficult. And when people would find out that, you know, you get the, oh, bless your heart. It'll go away. Or just pray on it. You know, it, it they they did the best they could. So yeah. in a sense, you don't ask for help because one, there's that, I don't want to be a burden and I don't mm-hmm. want you to feel any pity on me. Yeah. Because I could tell you, and I lived in Atlanta, it was 90 minutes one way to my job. And I would have to go home, get him, pick him up to go to a doctor's office that was an hour away. I didn't ask for help. I just did what I had to do. Right. Now, so we're talking about, you know, you were a child and a single mom, but a lot of a lot of what you said is very relatable to what happens with the adult children caring for an aging parent, um, especially when there's some sort of dementia, right? And dementia can affect everyone differently. Some people will actually become more passive than they were prior to it setting in, but other people it can cause significant behavioral issues where they will blurt out inappropriate things. And so, um, so it's difficult to take their aging loved one out to do things that they used to do because of the perception or, you know, the pity. Um, But also, you know, there is that pride aspect, Mm -hmm. just like you were describing where the adult children, that we all want to feel like we can handle it. We can do it. And so, you know, you have to make peace with your pride almost and, and humble yourself to be able to request help in order to save yourself so that way you can keep caring for your loved one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was the uh, the fourth tip? It's your environment. So, of course, I'm going to talk about clutter. <laughs> and it's, it's all about being organized and eliminating the clutter, because when your space is cluttered, even if your mind is cluttered, you can't function properly. It's like you're, especially if you have, if you walk into a cluttered space, your mind's like, what's going on? What's going on? What, what's going on? Oh my God, what are you supposed to be doing here? Mm-hmm. And if you have a cluttered mind, like how do you decipher those goals? How mm. do you decipher, I have to, did I, did I eat this morning? Did I take my medicine this morning? Like, cause you, you know, so you have to clear out the cobwebs up here and in your home environment. And I understand mm-hmm. that a lot of the caregivers, the parents um, probably went through the um, the Great Depression or are products of the Great Depression. So they kind of, in a sense, hoard things, collect items. Yeah. And I can tell you this, do, do not just get rid of their stuff. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I put it over there, you know, but don't just get rid of it because that will no. really send them in a tizzy. Um but, you know, just try to straighten up as best you can, because if you're caring for someone, you don't want them to trip over anything and you don't want to trip over anything. So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you can clear that clutter as best you can so that mm-hmm. you can function right. And it, it an organized space, you're just like, whoo, 
it's like woosah. <laughs> right. So what Paris is talking about is, you know, when when it is a cluttered situation, a hoarding situation, but but even if it's not to the magnitude of hoarding, right? Let's just say there's cluttered on the floor space. It becomes um, it becomes a potential fall risk for the elder in their home. So there is a safety reason to to clear up the home and, and declutter it, you know, to prevent the falls, because oftentimes a fall can be all downhill from there. And so we want to do anything possible to uh, to reduce the to reduce that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Paris, you were talking about this generation, and I know uh, we had mentioned what what is it that we can learn from the next generation? Is there something that you know, as far as decluttering or minimizing that our previous generations could learn? So it's interesting you said, so my parents' generation were products of the depression. So they kind of kept everything. Um, So one instance is China. Like, you know, you get married, you get like a hundred pieces of China. So here comes my generation. My generation, we're like, "Mm, that's nice. Mm, mm, We don't don't really want it. We we, we just don't. Um, But sometimes we take it because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a sentimental attachment to it. Now the generations after me, they're like, uh, like they're minimalist. Seriously, <laughs> they are yeah. like, um, no, don't want it, don't need it. And it's interesting because we can talk about millennials, but they they have a really good thought process. They, you know, I was taught go to college, get a good job, you know, you get married, two point five kids, the how, you know, the whole nine. <laughs> yeah, you work, you retire, then you enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Millennials are like, uh, why can't I enjoy life now? Why do I have to wait? Yeah. And so I, I think that we can take something because I know we always like those oh, millennials. Oh, my goodness. I think we can take something from them in a sense that why wait to be happy? Why don't you be happy now? And that goes back to caring for our loved ones. Mm-hmm. If you can get 10, 15 minutes, just, you know, depress, read a book, go out for a walk you know, be happy now. Why wait till later? That That's such a good point because the situation is the situation, right? And so you have to find reasons to be happy, be happy now, not happy. Oh, once I get this done or once I acquire this, then I'll be happy. Happiness yeah. is a state. back to your whole thing about state of mind. Mm-hmm. Happiness is a state of mind, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Paris, if somebody is interested in receiving some assistance with decluttering or improving their productivity when it comes to time management or uh, attaining goals, how can they reach you? My website is www.parislove.com. <laughs> ProductivityInstitute.com or 770-722-2748. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. Again, my name is Sarah and I'm with Connect Our Elders. Connect Our Elders is completely focused on providing education around elder care resources uh, to help people navigate those resources and to provide ongoing advocacy. Thank you so much, Paris, for joining us today. And I'm sure we'll be seeing you on here again soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Bye-bye.